1: Hello, this is Rebecca atkinson lord and you're listening to The Legacy Tapes, a series of conversations with artistic directors talking about how you might be able to leave a legacy in the ephemeral medium of theatre. And I'm here talking to Matt Fenton, the Artistic Director and Chief Executive of Contact in Manchester. And Contact's a pretty remarkable and special organisation. It is. Tell me about what it was like to come here, because, because I think when you arrived there were, those, there were already in place some of the youth governance structures and some of the things that make, make this place so special. Was that a joy or was, that, was there a weight attached to that?
0: My early experiences at Contact um, were as an audience member, mm-hmm. so I had a bit of a flavour of what Contact was about. I came to see a show that Moti Roti made here or yeah. presented here called Aladdin about call cool centers in India mm-hmm. and it was this multimedia piece. i would never seen anything quite like it.
2: yeah
0: I came to see a four-stent show here where the audience were just talking back all the way through yeah and clearly some parts of the audience getting a bit techy about that. Mm-hmm. But because it had presented itself in this, there is no fourth wall, hi, I'm Jerry. I'm just going to saunter onto stage in my jeans and, it was okay. and say hi. Why wouldn't the audience say hi back? Yeah. And why would they not continue with that established conversation, conversation yeah. all the way through the show? <laughs> which I found really exciting, yeah. having seen that work through a kind of live art or this is art, shut mm. up and listen type frame yeah. Yeah. to yeah. then just see it somewhere where... Um, the audience enters into dialogue with it immediately. Proper, interesting and exciting. So anyway, that was kind of early experience mm. of contact. Um, and of course, aware in the audience, as I remain uh, aware of its youth and its diversity, that you, you mm. kind of feel the moment you're in the foyer. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, OK. It doesn't feel like it's any like other this, theater I walk not through. like this. And you pick that <laughs> vibe up really quickly and definitely, definitely in the foyer before a show. Mm. Um and then my experience of the interview process was amazing, really, because then you know this, these statements that Contact makes about itself, about putting young people at the heart of everything. Mm. And you kind of go, OK, yeah, whatever. Um, and then my interview, you know, my main memory is of the young people's panel, um, whose first question to me um, was, what's the most interesting thing that has ever happened to you? So from the moment you're in the interview, everything you've prepared is of no use. <laughs> and you kind of go, shh oh, shit, what is the most interesting thing that's ever happened to me? And then you're off on a track that you did not plan. Um, I started talking about very personal things to start with, and eventually we spoke about theatre and stuff, but it it got off on that different tack.
1: And that's an incredibly Um, smart
0: question. And that's amazing, because actually a board would have asked me a predictable question, Mm. and I would have given a predictable answer. Mm. And then actually whoever had been most effective at that rather predictable set of questions and responses, which never go off-piste, would have got the job. And what's interesting about that? Yeah. Um, One of those young people, Afrina, is now on the board. Um, So I I answer to her in a very real sense now. Mm. But I still feel that actually in my job, I'm carrying the excitement of that interview process and how real it was. Now, of course, since I now understand, which I didn't really at the time that a young people's panel is central to every permanent appointment and that yeah. the young panel have equal weighting to the staff, exec or board panel mm-hmm. that is making the appointment. And I mean equal weighting. Yeah. So if both panels don't agree, do round, okay. we do a second round. Or we do re, we re-advertise and re-interview. Um, and I've seen that in, in action. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is most of the time, but not all the time, the two panels agree. Um, We don't know, you know, as an exec, we don't know what uh, questions the young panel are going to ask, you know, someone who's applied for a job as a senior project manager here. We only find out when the two panels convene what each panel has asked and what came out of those interview questions. Um, The same pertains to programming. So four young people and four members of staff essentially become the programming team. Mm. I'm one of those eight people and I have about an eighth input into what the Mm programme will be. So there's really interesting provocations in that about artistic leadership choice and taste yeah. and perhaps about how we might think about diversity yeah. um, because that that collective is diverse no one person mm. within it is and me as a white middle class arts manager is certainly not you know, I'm certainly not pushing <laughs> yeah. our definition of what that
1: yeah. role might look like um, and it totally challenges the hierarchy of taste and, and, and how we think about value in in art right? completely
0: yeah completely. Um, so, you know, when I'm reflecting on what Contact has done in the two and a half, three years I've been here, mm. it's really clear to me that my job has been to know a good idea when I heard it and then support that idea, yeah. not have the ideas. Phew. <laughs> because you wouldn't have got to a, to a piece yeah. with Inua and Benji about basketball yeah. or Commonwealth's piece about young female Muslim boxers or a piece we've just made um, with Great Manchester Police about all kinds of abuse in particular communities um, or girls blouse the experience of growing up tran- transgender in the midlands in the 70s or dot 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 you yeah. name it yeah. you know none of those shows are my worldview, my idea or my taste and if it were my job to try and imagine what those projects might be or reimagine those stories I'd just get it wrong in a really kind of inauthentic crass yeah. way that's not my job yeah. my job is to bring together diverse groups of people to, to come up with these ideas and the artists are at the core of that always so and young people yeah
1: so what so so tell me what that means for like what's contact legacy what does what's the trail that's left behind that
0: um, I mean I'm very aware of the impact contact has had um, on the sector, so the number of people that I engage with and work with mm. actors, directors, makers, writers, companies, but also stage managers, technicians. Um, artistic directors, execs, mm. you know, across the board, the ridiculous number that have come through Contact at one point, but also cite it as an important organisation mm. because I think you don't spend much time here without being influenced and marked by it. So, yeah. of course, you know, every theatre has you know, hundreds of people going through, mm. um, but it seems, it really seems to be a pattern for me the number of people that are marked and influenced and changed by the experience of working at Contact, and I totally know why I have been and will be. Um, so it feels like the legacy is in the people and in those practices and in those approaches Mm -hmm. um, and in the ethos of those people um, that is particularly exciting I don't really think about the legacy in terms of the work produced but that is another kind of legacy you know um, but I think it is in the embodied knowledge practice ethos of those people out there working Mm. Um,
1: and I guess in the demonstration effect to use a banking term you know like Th- th- this this organisation is, a, is a, a tangible example of how doing things differently works. How, if you let the people that you want to speak to be in charge of how you're speaking, you'll probably be better at it.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's interesting. So, you know, contact hasn't been. Well, it hasn't gone bust and the building hasn't fallen over. You, <laughs> you know. You sound so surprised when well,
1: you're the they're chief exec.
0: Because actually, people. Because, you know, it's kind of committed to a model mm. that. I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying to find ways constantly to keep that faith in young people as decision makers mm. alive, um, but also keep it fresh. Yeah. And not just keep repeating the same models, but to to kind of, um, yeah, hold that legacy of that early decision twenty mm. years ago to let let's look at covenants differently. And do you- but what what surprises me maybe is that not more people haven't done other experiments either, adopted this model mm. or others, or played with others, mm. or experimented with others. And I guess institutions are such difficult things to change at a fundamental level, at governance level. They mm. change so slowly. And contact did a really brave, bold thing, which was really just to to kind of redraw it all, mm. you know, to sort of start again in yeah. terms of how it was going to think about who who, who got to decide what, what happened.
1: Because people in power don't want to give up their power.
0: Yeah, perhaps it's that. I mean, yeah, people aren't going to structure themselves out of existence, even if they may be aware that, they're sat in seats that, that other people might bring more to, mm. um, which is another kind of thinking about legacy isn 't it mm. you know what, what, what the legacy of these roles, and who you know which kind of people might populate them in future, Mm -hmm. or will those role even, and should they even exist the role of artistic director of a building being case in point.
1: Yeah, I think there's something really interesting about just in talking about legacy um, at some point I'll do a version of one of these with Rachel and I my co-director at Ovalhouse, and she when I first raised it with her was really uncomfortable because she didn't like to think of it in such an egotistical, she didn't like to think of such an egotistical thing as legacy but actually legacy might be Removing yourself from the picture, yeah. you know, it isn't. It isn't yeah. necessarily an ego-based, although it often is. <laughs> thing. Um, do you come across lots of or any resistance to the structures now? Like when you're talking to people who aren't used to the organisation or familiar with it.
0: Yeah, I think uh, to an extent. I mean, we need to be careful that we don't also mythologise contact and pretend it is doing what it isn't. Mm. Um, so, you know, that we still have paid staff. Um, I'm still paid as chief executive, yeah. AD. Um,
1: are the young the, people paid?
0: They are paid expenses um, if they're on a panel; they're paid to be on mm. that panel, um, but they're not paid a salary. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's, there's there's an unevenness to that. Mm. Um, and then the young people who are really at the top end of the young people age wise that we work with who are on our board again, you know, that, that the board role is a voluntary one,
2: yeah,
0: um, and a responsible one. Mm. Um, so, you, you know, we can't we can't pretend that Contact is um, a venue that is run by volunteers or is run day in, day out by young people. Mm. It's that it has structures that genuinely enable young people to inform what it does, what shows it presents. But even, you know, what architects it appoints for a refurb or the firm of auditors that it appoints to do its accounts, mm. all those things are similarly, um, that, you know, have a young people's decision-making kind of part of that process. Um, so that's that's amazing and radical. But also for me it's not that it's not that scary. It's not that radical yeah. actually. Um so I do wonder therefore why other or why so few other organisations have um looked at how do we bring even our users, even our audiences much more into the decision making mix mm. of what we do. Um why you know. do you think they haven't? I don't know. I think so it was going to be a mix of things. I mean, one will be um, institutional nervousness, mm. the other will be the kind of mythologising of the role of artistic director as expert mm. um, or as the supreme arbiter of taste. Mm. Um, others will be more about oh, well, what will happen to the box office if our very carefully prepared thinking and modelling about what that box office will look like um, is then just thrown to the wind and we just let any older but have an opinion about what we should be presenting yeah. That the perception that that is maybe really risky because and of course not all institutions have the same level of risk so contact and you know I check our privilege in terms of the amount of public subsidy we receive mm. we're in a different situation to a commercial venue mm. if it makes a few of those wrong decisions we'll just shut yeah um, and similarly we're 320 seats that's a very different set of questions mm. for someone that's 1500 seats yeah so You know, what I'm not saying is, why does everyone not adopt a model like Contact? What I'm saying, really, or what I'm interested in is Mm. why so few people think and play with and adopt and come up with alternative models Mm. that are appropriate to their scale, funding mix, kind of commercial model, but that nonetheless bring them much closer to um, an openness about what what our programme might look like or Mm. what our activity might be and who informs that, who gets to decide what gets commissioned what gets programmed what gets yeah. produced where we deliver our projects etc
1: it's really interesting you just talk about people being distrustful of letting any old herbert choose what's programmed because really any old herbert chooses what's successful because they're the people that buy the tickets right like yeah, it's just about moving that choice from for, like earlier into the process right yeah
0: the people can spot quality uh, really quickly and people can tell the difference between pretension and complexity mm. really quickly. Mm. In, you know, so, yeah, my kids, you know, your grand, anyone, can really <laughs> sense and intuit and may feel they don't have the language to express mm. but definitely can sense and intuit the difference between, to, between pretentiousness and something that I don't quite understand but has integrity. Yeah, crunchiness. Um, mm. Yeah. And also, I mean, I'm you know, thinking about legacy... The the projects that I did in Lancaster, where I was previously, that really brought me to contact, I think the dotted line is really clear to me in hindsight about Mm. why I'm doing this job. Um, Those projects that defined my time in Lancaster, certainly for me, were the ones where I helped or facilitated other people to decide what the programme was, and those became the most successful projects I did while I was there. At its most extreme, that was a year out that I took in 2007-2008, where first artists programmed a season... Mm. Uh, certainly in terms of box office, but I think just in terms of how good the programme was, that was my s- most successful autumn programme in nine years there. And then local residents that we recruited through the local paper um, programmed spring 2008, and then again, was the most successful spring programme that I presented while I was there, um, which for me is brilliant. Yeah. You know, it, it was an amazing... <laughs> yeah project and then for me I never really went back to a traditional view of programming and producing as one person's decision about what would happen you know for me there wasn't really any going back after that yeah. project
1: because if you want to speak to multiple tastes you need to program with multiple tastes yeah exactly. it seems so sensible yeah, totally. when, once you know totally once you see it
0: work yeah exactly that um, so I went straight from that project into a, a gallery program that was um Children curating the gallery, and then we did a project with the support staff, security, porters, technicians curating the gallery. You know, mm. and just staying from that point on, just started playing with oh, what anyone can decide, yes. not just not just the person whose job says they should. Anyone can do it. Oh, okay. Where does that take you? And for me, that takes you to contact for, mm. no, for now. Um, so in hindsight, it's quite interesting that, that that for me there is a legacy of playing with and thinking about. Um, models of curation and models of programming mm. that now actually that what what started there as a project that, that became something over time that's now really my day job is actually explicitly to do that
1: So I think I'm going to say something that I don't actually agree with but I just need to ask the question um, So we're recording this just after the referendum mm-hmm. it'll probably go out much later than that um, and I've always believed in Uh, I've always believed in the power of any informed human being to make a good informed choice, until this week. Um, Sometimes as artists or as theatre makers, it's our job to educate and scooch taste and social uh, perceptions along a bit. If you let any Herbert programme can you do that as effectively that's my
0: question Yeah. okay so I've got two kind of thoughts and responses to that yeah that is a really fair question that in the EU referendum information and misinformation we were given Mm -hmm. it didn't feel to me that we were ever presented with the simple facts of this is what the EU is Mm -hmm. as opposed to Europe Yeah, yeah as opposed to The euro (laughs) yes this is what the eu is Mm -hmm. this is when we joined Mm -hmm. uh this is this is its constitution Mm -hmm. um so that i even knew what i was voting about Mm. you know uh, and this is what uh, our membership requires of us Mm -hmm. and this is what we get from it no different from any other member of the eu just to understand what it is we're talking about Mm -hmm. and i don't think this referendum even got to that point which is why so many people after voting are going actually I wonder what what, what is it that i voted can I just check yeah and then the and you said any any reasonable person presented with the facts or presented mm. with the information well then that that didn't happen either mm-hmm. all we got was this kind of jostling of kind of half lies mm. misinformation um, things presented as facts that were then kind of you know, revealed as being highly contentious mm. and opinions, and it just became this blurry mishmash. Mm. So, actually, what you got expressed through the voting process, I suspect, is some um, prejudice more than, uh, and prejudice in any in, in, in whatever direction you have that. Yeah. Um, you could have a, li- a liberal prejudice, but that's what you got expressed through the voting process, mm. but not really a decision based on facts and informed mm-hmm. opinions um i suspect it's, it's maybe interesting then just leave that for a sec and think about how our young programmers program here mm. well actually they don't come out of nowhere those young people so we don't run chasing after people on the street <laughs> that look interesting and say hey would you like to program a theater <laughs> yeah the young people that have engaged with us as uh, poets or um young musicians or young performers in our company or they might have been part of a community project we did in North Manchester. Mm. Um, you know, multiple different ways that the young person might have first got engaged with us mm-hmm. before they'd have even heard about contact or the fact that you can programme that as a young yeah. person. So they don't come out of nowhere. Yeah. And so all of those influenced. projects... So, you know, you might say, well, that works. they're already susceptible to be interested in creativity, mm. even if at that point they're own.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, they've already had the gumption to join one of those projects... Um, all of which are free mm-hmm. uh, none of which you have to audition for in any formal sense to get involved in mm-hmm. so they are quite low barriers to engagement and a, a huge amount are delivered off-site mm-hmm. because we acknowledge an arts building is yeah, like, a barrier, barrier. Um, so you know though our, our young programmers are drawn from that Kind of pool of young people. The other thing that all of those projects feed you into is seeing shows in the programme. Mm. So they start to see a load of work, and that work is both here and elsewhere in the city. So, so they begin to form an opinion. Yeah. So they begin to know what they do and don't like, what they do and don't respect, what they think is authentic and inauthentic. Mm-hmm. So before they've even joined the young programming team, They've got all of that, and then the first thing that that group then does is go to Edinburgh, so so our young programme team, is called Recon. Um, first thing they do is go to Edinburgh together, see mm. as much work as it's possible to see in about five days, and then talk about it. Yeah. So then they begin to get a shared sense of what they each like, don't like, and talk about that. And a critical
1: that. vocabulary. And uh, a
0: bit, exactly, yeah. a vocabulary in which to talk about what they have seen and what they think about mm. it. And it isn't until they've done all that that we'd ever dream of saying... And what do you think of Contact and, and mm. what would you like to start going to see um, as part of this programme? Um, and what do, you think, what do you think that you've seen that Contact has been great? What do you like to see more of? What do you think is missing? What shows have you seen that you'd like, or which artists do you think have got potential for you, which is the most exciting mm. artists you saw when you are in Edinburgh and then you know, and all the things in the autumn as they start to see work actually as the young programmers? Mm. And it's only after all of that that they're able, starting to make or have ideas and suggestions that might a year later become yeah. the programme
1: so, so you're building
0: your ideal citizens yeah maybe that I mean you never think about it in that way
1: for, for like the state of contact you know? but
0: it's you know all of that is preparation for mm. them to kind of and none of it's telling them what they should and shouldn't like mm. but it is giving them
2: the tools, you to know, know. the
0: tools to know and then to be able to express that opinion in an open way and then so they really don't come out of nowhere um, so yeah we shouldn't pretend that they shouldn't pretend that they do mm. Good. Yeah. Good, good. Good answer. That answers your question about the EU. Yeah, um, it yeah.
1: Yes. I mean, it sort of does. It wasn't. It was just.
0: But I guess we had none of the preparation to have that debate yeah. in an informed way. Yeah. Because we're not. We're not even.
1: You know, I, I'm one of those ridiculously politically obsessed people, and even I'm not as informed as, they, you know, as
0: the, the, the analogy. The, the, yeah. Exactly. And nor am I. Right. Exactly. Because our culture and our po- politicians are not facilitated that they've not enabled us to have a clear rational understanding of what it means to be in the yeah. EU
1: do you so do you think if it feels like contact is doing something that quite innovative in terms of its context elsewhere in the ecology are you constantly shooting for the new and different or are you like okay this works let's not balls it up that's a false binary, right? Yeah. But where are, where, are you on, where
0: are you on the scale? I don't think we ever ask those questions. I don't think we use a language that is about innovation. Mm. Um, we're probably talking about it in, in other ways. I also don't think that we're chasing the new for its own sake. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're really interested in um, the underrepresented and creating space for that to yeah. pop through and flourish and be expressed. Mm. But even then, I'm not sure to what extent we're consciously thinking that. I think that we adopt structures that enable that to be possible or more likely than traditional mm. top-down structures. So I think it's a kind of a leap of faith and a belief in a methodology, or a set of mm-hmm. methodologies, that enable and produce possibility but you're not trying to control what that is and I think that's really similar to a lot of art makers that I most enjoy and like that their process is not starting with okay well this is what it's going to look and sound like let's work back from Mm -hmm. that and build it they're really creating spaces of opportunity possibility play improvisation connection random association and through that process even if that process is quite rigid that produces stuff that is not planable at the at the outset, mm-hmm. um, and I think we're trying to do something similar. Um, so, but, but we focused. certainly don't have a brief for our program or for the work that we commissioned mm-hmm. that it should be radical or innovative mm-hmm. or even new. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> it just <laughs> is. But but I don't. But, but not in its own. But not as an end in itself. <laughs> I don't think we're trying to be innovative. I don't, you know. Yeah. And everyone has a different opinion about what is and isn't innovative. anyway yeah.
1: Um, it feels like you're not so end maybe i might be wrong you're not so end focused like i feel like in my experience of contact it's much more been about this is how we want to be together exactly and that will be what it is but that's why
0: yeah exactly and that's that's why i describe how programming happens we only talk about programming because i'm the ad but you know Mm. the program is what comes out of the process of Engaging with a group of young people, going to see some work together, and talking about it—the mm-hmm. program comes out of that. Yeah. I can't tell you what will come out of it. What will come out of it is interesting, yeah. and we'll present it. Yeah. But but I can't tell you what it will be or yeah. what it will look like. And I think that's great because that's how you know we are able to present work um, fairly early in its gestation, and we're able to present artists that maybe not everyone has heard of yet, but mm-hmm. but they will in five years' time. Yeah. But we're not. We're not seeking that as an end in its own right. I think we're doing it for other reasons, which is to do with representation, to do with diversity, to do with multiple voices being Mm -hmm. presented and access routes being multiple, both in and out of the programme. And then a leap of faith that the audience will reflect that. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So actually, you know, you look at our young people, our young programmes, our participants, the diversity, their diversity is reflected in the programme. And in the audience, and it's not, you know, for me, that is not that complex to see that work. And that's really important for me to do it in that direction. So, to, to look at the, the diversity of the decision makers, that produces a program. The program is delivered mm. in the belief that that will, that will attract mm-hmm. diverse, multiple audiences to engage with it, rather than the other way, which is to go who's missing? Who do we think we should be attracting? Or who do we want to attract? Mm. What program will most attract them? And then, okay, so then what will I program to deliver that? Mm-hmm. And that's where we get inauthentic, that's where we get it wrong, that's where we make assumptions about the kinds of things particular audiences might want to see and yet or engage the, with. That's the one most. Know, and it tracks it all back to one person mm. and their taste. And that's why we get it wrong, I think, or why we, we fail to diversify yeah. very much, no because matter how exactly hard how most we think. We're trying. Mm. And in all of this, again, it's important to say, contact as a staff body is not where it should be in terms of diversity. You know, our mm. staffing structures, um, you know, you know the people that work here in full time permanent employment mm. are less diverse than our kind of young young teams and then our audience. Why do you
1: think that is?
0: I think there's a couple of things. One is that um, contact is probably similarly. Guilty to a lot of the sector about using the same means to recruit, advertise, and appoint staff. Um, I mean, when it gets to contact, once we get those applicants, mm. you go through a very different journey than, yeah. than another. But in terms of getting them, getting them, um, the pool of people out there, despite what contacts and young, what other organisations do to engage and empower young people to consider the arts as a space mm. for them to work in, that's still quite a narrow pool, and it feels like. That may even be narrowing, given what's happening in education. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels like we're really um, swimming against the stream in that in that sense. You know, you have to be really proactive, really mm. targeted, really focused on ensuring that you're doing everything you possibly can um, to make sure that you're getting diverse pools of applicants. Mm. Um, because, yeah. And I, and I think contact is is struggling in that, as yeah. the rest of the sector clearly yeah, is. I think we're be- better than some, if not better than most, but um, but we're not where we should be. Um, and so, f- actually, for us, that that's what we're focusing on at the moment.
1: Um, you t- so much of what you talk about has this underlying um, agenda for agenda for social change and and, 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 a, and a sense of kind of core values and ethics. Um, at at the heart of the organisation, really cynically, or not, because I don't know what I think, but do you... Can can the arts, can theatre change the world? And second part of the question, why do you do this for a job?
0: Uh, Yeah, Okay. so the first point, I mean, I don't have grand uh, claims to make for the power of art to change the world, but what I do think, and I do see, Mm. um, is art changing and empowering people who go on to do unpredictable and amazing things, either individually or collectively Mm -hmm. Um, and I see the work that Contact does do that do that first bit Yeah. Art changes people,
1: people change the work Yeah,
0: and so I uh, so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, so I think the answer to the second question is in the first part um, and Contact does, ha- you know, it does demonstrate to you on a pretty regular basis the amazing ability of the arts to unlock potential in in someone, for us, that's in young people predominantly, but, but in anyone, and that to flourish in pretty amazing ways. And also what's amazing is how quick, how quickly that, that flourishing can take place for a project. It mm. is kind of amazing. Um, Especially and this is where I really get maybe down on the sector again, especially if you let go of the art. Mm. So you, your question in many ways makes me think about the agency, which we're, the project we're doing with Battersea Art Center yeah. in, in London and ourselves in, in Manchester, which takes a creative, devising process, kind of making methodology from theater <coughs> a process adopted from Rio so you know it's a methodology developed in the favelas in Rio by an artist called Marcus Faustini anyway it takes his playful devising improvisatory practice but rather than making shows with that you, you use that process to develop startups, social enterprises micro-businesses whatever that group of young people want to kind of come up with yeah. um, and so you devise social enterprises rather than devise shows what's interesting to me is it's really effective it's brilliant. And just as you know, you know, just as with the rest of contact program, it produces ideas and projects that we, as a staff mm. body, could never come up with. So the kind of things that have come out of the agency from this theatre process. Yeah. You know, it's a baking programme called Crumbs, which is a young person running baking workshops for families that access food banks and the ingredients sourced mm. that way. Um a, a board game, a bit like the Game of Life, um, called Life is What You Make It, about the experience of growing up on the Winstanley Estate in London. Um, an ethical fashion line that uses African fabrics, but also the um, the woman that runs it, Rosemary, like the, the seamstress skills of, of her aunts and her gran and things, yeah. you know, um, and uses those skills to produce really beautifully made um, fashion. So, you know, none of those are ideas that, that we as theatre makers the contact ever would ever, ever have come up with but they're mm. amazing they're really brilliant and they're mm. not not saying they're changing the world but they're absolutely important community projects mm. are changing those communities and especially the lives of the young people that come up with those ideas and mm. are now running them They're um, changing the
1: world for those people So yeah exactly in a small, in a small mm. way
0: I think absolutely they are um, and the art is doing that so you know I think that's, that's amazing I think it's interesting that, that perhaps our arts funders or our most art output-focused funders mm. were the last to really see the value of that project, although mm. I, I definitely think that's, that, that's coming along too because yeah. it speaks so strongly to this question well what can art do other than produce mm-hmm. plays and a exhibitions thing and a, yeah. things in buildings, yeah, yeah. exactly um, so yeah, it's projects like that that I'm working here, you know, I think there's something really exciting about that, and again it's not What's radical and innovative is not the idea. Mm -hmm. The idea is one you can get your head around in five minutes. It's that it actually is done, it's committed to, Mm. and there is absolutely no pressure on any of those young people to come and see a show or make Mm. a play or something. I think what's innovative is the letting go of the desire for it to to be audience development in any way. I
1: guess it's about imagination and creativity in any way you choose to apply it.
0: Yeah. And that those applications go well beyond the arts. Mm. In fact, immediately go beyond the arts if you if you relax about the yeah. art, yeah, and a, and in a good way.
1: Um, you, you, you've sort of talked a little bit about being critical of the ecology or the industry. Um, if you could, if you could, in really simplistic terms, right? Because nothing is that simple. If you could wave a magic wand and give the world or the industry or a single person or anything gives, elicits a change and have something be different on any scale of your choosing what would it be?
0: I think it would be the um, job description of every single artistic director in the country mm. so that when we when our boards or whatever appointment structures we have come yeah. to a point, this is mm. why we think about legacy maybe we're looking for a different set of skills, a different kinds of sets of experience and different kinds of ability to populate those roles. Mm -hmm. Because I think if that doesn't happen, a lot of the agendas that we've been talking about, about engaging, about genuine participation, about Mm -hmm. genuine community, about representation, about diversity, about empowerment, those things are just going to move along at a snail's pace. Mm -hmm. And if we think that society is at certain times working against those forces then we're kind of fucked
1: John McGrath this morning was talking about the frustrations of evolution rather than
0: revolution exactly, evolution takes bloody ages Mm. (laughs) (laughs) millennia yeah, Yeah. and also it doesn't necessarily evolve in the way you want uh, you know if no, you're just it nudging can, it along, yeah. it doesn't necessarily evolve in liberal ways. In and it's thing, growing
1: no. in response to stimuli that might not be healthy stimuli, I suppose. You know, you just... so it can. I'm thinking about something growing. <laughs> you know, it can grow all wonky if the, rock, the rock's in the way. Yeah, totally. Doesn't mean it's the um, right way. Yeah. Um, and probably the last thing. What do you want your personal legacy to be? And I don't just mean a contact. I mean... When it comes to writing your obituary, what is the thing that you want it to say that you left behind?
0: I never think about it. I don't think I have that kind of ego. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really interested. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested in the people I'm engaging with now, the young people we're working with, and we'll work with next. The artists we're supporting, funding, presenting. If all of that collectively, in however many years' time, becomes a legacy, then brilliant. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'm interested in even guessing what that might be I'm honestly not bothered but I think that's the kind of you know that's the kind of role I'm interested in fulfilling at Mm. at AD level Mm. um yeah I'm interested in the effect I'm having on you know a set of individuals that I'm currently working with Mm. um cumulatively over time that might look like a body of work or something um yeah, I don't, I'm not. I'm not thinking about the legacy, but maybe that's also maybe so, I'm not thinking but about it is yet. The legacy. Okay, well, it is. All right, great. But I also just think, well, legacy is not the reason you do something. That's not the reason you get out of bed. I think you know the no. reason you get out of bed is all for me. Mm. Is that we're involved in loads of really great projects. I want to see what happens. I want to hear what everyone mm-hmm. I'm about to meet has got to say. Um, I want to see the outcome of the projects that we're supporting. Um, and I guess I'm interested in, um provoking and encouraging others to be more open about how they run their organisations. Mm. So some of the things that I've written or have done have definitely... The audience that I have in mind for those interventions it is almost always other, other leaders, mm-hmm. other ADs. Um, and even the programming experiment I did in 2007 with Artists Like mm. Residents, even then, when I look back, I spoke about that as a provocation to other artistic leaders mm. about their jobs that's what I was thinking. If there was an audience yeah. for that experiment, mm-hmm. that was the audience I was thinking about. So maybe that's also thinking, maybe a kind of legacy, but only really in the sense of, well, what impact might you have to inspire different ways of working mm. and also to show that what might be perceived as a risk is not actually that risky. Mm. And if you do it authentically and commit to a process and see it through, sometimes it can actually be brilliant. It can yeah. produce much better results than you can just come up with on your own in mm-hmm. your own room. You know, yeah, so was What's the risk in the end? And actually, the greater risk is that you don't engage, that you don't open up, that that you don't consider power as something to be spread, shared. Um, despite you, you know, and, and I still acknowledge in all of that, I still get a salary. You know, mm. um, and the participants in a community project we work with are not, mm. uh, unless they're you know unless they're performing in a professional show. So. Um, I understand there's still disparities in that. Um, nonetheless, I think the job is to, is to spread the power, not to, not to hoard it. Mm. Yeah.
1: So, I, because I think, I think maybe I need to be better at defining legacy, because don't, I don't know what, what I mean when I ask these questions,
0: right? So does everyone just say, everyone you've interviewed, just go, oh, I don't think about it? Um, that about? It,
1: de- and it really depends. And actually, it, it totally changes based on the kind of organisation they run yeah and um, and the kind of person they are and what their value system is yeah. so some people are absolutely i want my legacy to be this yeah um there is a theme that is that the legacy resides in people um and that you know it could be about it could be about hundreds of young people empowered to be creative and have creative agency in a way that they never would have been if something didn't exist if you hadn't done that thing um or it could be about um uh often it's about you know the audiences so these people get to experience something and that that shifts that causes a shift within them and who knows what that shift will mean Mm -hmm. um so i think often there's something about legacy residing in people um, which is why, when you mm. say it, I was like, "You know, but that's, that's it." Yeah, okay, well, um, fair enough. Because <laughs> I think I quite. Whenever you talk about, I see you talk a lot at conferences and things, um, and you're always with one of your young yeah. participants. Yeah. And I think that itself feels like such a revolutionary act, um, especially at the you know the really traditional ones where we're kind of people are worrying about the colour of velvet on the chairs rather than the fundamental structures that underpin the ecology, you know. Um, just demonstrating that that's a possible and healthy way of being. Yeah. feels yeah. really revolutionary. Yeah,
0: that's, yeah. And I guess just a contact, we need to forget that because it feels really normal. Just what you do. Well, why wouldn't we? Because we say, well, why wouldn't we try to do what we say we do? Mm. Is that what's radical, that we actually try to do that? But but, but it's always the thing that people most respond to as well. So we get positive reinforcement that that's a good thing to do. Mm. So, you know, the conference we were last at that Felicia spoke, but it's important that she gets more of a platform than me, Mm. that in many ways I'm introducing her. Mm. And we did exactly the same event for the agency with the House of Lords. So the people that would normally give speeches introduced a young person who Mm. then spoke. Um, And we do the same when we report to our funders. So, you know, we report to City Council and AGMA, Association of Greater Manchester Authorities, the last annual report we did was two colleagues and a young person and we introduced the young person who said oh, now they're going to talk about projects that they've been involved on that you funded why yeah. would they not want to hear from them and of course those politicians don't really have many questions for us they're like did you submit your figures on time and did you hit your KPIs <laughs> yes. uh, mostly and mostly <laughs> and then all of their other questions are for the young people yeah. of course they are yeah. you because know, they're young people from the parts of the city that they're from and, Interesting, and, and that's what they funded yeah why on earth would we not do that? You know, but again, that gets spoken about, oh, it's so amazing but that you did that, or yes, so radical you but did that. But people that. don't. I and mean, we don't prep them. It, I mean, that's the thing to be <laughs> totally open about. They could say anything. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, they had a good time, and they say that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and th- But that is, I mean, that is, because no one, I haven't ever seen anybody else do that, and yet the thing that we all know and the thing that we all say... In, in our industry is that the best way to change the dialogue is for the people that have the habitual value power it, to, to shut the fuck
0: it, yeah, up yeah, yeah. and the and people that to 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 speak of yeah. that value, yeah totally but I think often but that's why what seems so radical to me about contact is that it does what it says on the tin and why, you know that's interesting isn't it, that that's my, my experience of my whole first year was one of just going, whoa they, they really do it, oh mm. that's interesting oh they say that and they do that. Okay, it's right, That's interesting. And that, of course, it's not. It's not utopian. It's not in every case. Mm. But you know, there is this commitment that is seen through, and that that should see radical is a bit of a shame because loads of people say loads of things. It's like you just want them to do that thing they yeah. say they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, contact doesn't always deliver. Of course, it doesn't. But at least it's you know, fallible. Attempt. But there is there is this repeated attempt to commit to that. And what I will say is that you know the people that experience it reinforce that and encourage it and say well we really loved hearing from that young person mm. or the highlight of that conference was when that young person got up and spoke or gave a poem or rapped or did something unexpected mm. but spoke um, and that's that often kind of reflected back to us as the way in which we best communicate mm. what we do and I, I kind of think well yeah cool. of course it is I
1: read a really interesting thing online the other day about um uh, uh about how one of the best ways to secure your power as a gatekeeper is to say you're good at diversity. Um, yeah. And I was like, that's terrifying. And it, and it was said in a, this, you know, there are all of these organisations that say we work with these amazing and diverse participants to give them a voice without ever acknowledging that they have a voice and you should shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah, crikey. Right, that's the most depressing thing I've heard in a while.
1: Sorry. You don't need to bring depression. I did not need to bring depression at all. Um, well,
0: thank you
1: so much for talking to me. Pleasure. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands.